Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore applying design principles to everyday life. I'm your host and founder of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. In the third episode of our mini-series on the brain, in collaboration with Professor Joel Pearson, we tackle the most overused term in the world right now, well-being. Listen in as we discuss what stress actually is, what good sleep is, why good sleep is important, and what the diet's role is in fueling our bodies. Welcome back to our third part with Joel Pearson. Welcome, Joel. Thank you. We're going to talk today about well-being. And obviously, well-being is a, a phrase that's used a lot lately. Yes. <laughs> as it should One be. One of the words of 2020. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, same question. What is well-being, Joe? <laughs> we start with these, yeah, definitely. Well, it's one of these general things, and so it's hard. I will answer in one way, but you know, it's not a definitive answer. So a general balance of everything in my life that is optimised but not overly curated and optimised. So getting me in the best place I can, my body and my brain, so that I'm most resilient. Right. And then you can include things about happiness in there and, and other mm. things as well, mm-hmm. mental health. But just general, taking care of ticking all the boxes. And so, you know, you, you, you go online anywhere on, on anything and you'll see the, the classics, right? So take it easy with sugar. Don't drink too much alcohol, sugar and alcohol. Get your sleep and do your exercise. They're the things you hear over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear that for a reason because they are important things. And what we're learning now is that all those things and plus other things interact. So we now know that the food you eat changes your microbiome and when you exercise, your microbiome interacts and you can um, become fitter or, or not so fit depending on your particular microbiome. Sugar will, and alcohol will change your microbiome and, and sleep will also change that. So all these things now, even though they sound like separate things, they all interact, mm. right? So. You kind of want to balance them all out in some particular way that is individual, individualized and specific for each person. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can dive into the individual things and the, how, what, what we know about, what we don't know about, what mm. to do, what not to do, um, and what the effects of sleep or no sleep yeah. are. Let's do that. Let's start um, with sleep. sleep. So sleep's one of the things that we've learned a lot about um, in the last five, ten years, and me personally, the last few years, last three years, having kids, where it really became a, like, like gold or like diamonds, this valuable resource. Mm. Um, and I got what's called an aura ring, so I track my sleep now. Um, and we know that a lot about sleep. So sleep architecture now is becoming well known, that we know that in the first sort of part of the night, we go into deep sleep, and certain things will be regenerative learning and memory and your physiology, your body, if you're exercising, you need that deep sleep. And then you start to go in these REM, rap, what's called rapid eye movement periods of sleep, which become more frequent as you move into the morning. Um, and that's when you have your dreams. So you, if you pay attention, you'll actually dream more in the early hours rather than when you first go to sleep. And so if you're going to bed late, you're going to, start, you're going to miss out on your deep sleep. If you're getting up very early, you're going to chronically miss out on your REM sleep. And there'll be different consequences to your mental health and your body mm. and brain um, if you do both of those. We know that eating a lot of sugar late at night will mess up your sleep. You might go to sleep easier, but you'll wake up um, fairly quickly. We know that alcohol, sorry everybody, but alcohol, even though you feel more relaxed after a drink, actually really disrupts your sleep quite a lot. Mm-hmm. 
and I sort of did my own test with my aura ring to show, to see that in action. So I, a single glass of wine for me will mean that my body temperature will take much lower to go down, my heart rate will take longer to go down. So you want a lower body temperature and a lower, slower heart rate um, because your body can sort of start repairing itself um, more quickly with a lower rate. So alcohol, yeah, is, is especially late at night, is not good. If you want to drink, try and get it all sort of done early before dinner, you know, at five or six. Um, that way it won't disrupt your sleep as much. But there's been a general cultural shift of, you know, of sleeping as a really valuable thing now. And the, the days of doing the old pulling the, the all-nighter and being proud of it are kind of disappearing quickly in, in the workplace now. And the, the idea that we should get enough sleep and we should look after our brains mm. um, because it's the only one we get, right? So sleep is a hugely important part of that well-being picture. Mm. I don't know what's happened to me, but I, I, I went from being a late night person to now going to bed at nine o'clock most nights. Um, mm. What the hell happened? Is it age? <laughs> when, when was it, did this happen when you stopped drinking or? I get so bored with life after I stopped drinking. <laughs> <laughs> or was it with no, kids or was I, it? I think it, uh, well, I think that I, I've always woke up really, really early, no matter what situation, no matter what I've been doing. I could do an all-nighter and I'd wake up at six. You know, I'd, mm. I mean, it, well, I wouldn't be asleep. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I'd always, no matter what, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep in ever. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I'm just wired that way. Um, as a teenager? Yeah. Never really? Slept Even in. as a teenager? Okay. Never slept in. Um, I don't feel, I mean, people say it's not a good thing, but I don't feel I need a lot of sleep. Mm. But people say that you, need, you do and you, you, and you need to make the most of that. But... I'm always knackered still. <laughs> there, there are certain people that I think it's a genetic thing that you, they don't need much sleep. It's not that common. I think it's pretty rare. Um, that is a thing. And there are also what they call chronotypes, so time types, that people who, what you describe, will, will want go to bed very late and actually do their best work or their best whatever, you know, 11, 12, midnight, later, mm. to 2 a.m. And other people who useless at that time and have mm. to get up you know really early and do their best work in that morning period so there mm. are different chronotypes like that and that's a real thing mm. um there's more and more talk about so the the, the how you your chronotype changes through teenage years um there's more and more talk about how that interacts with schools so what's schools in australia start at nine i think is that right Eight thirty-nine. Mm. yeah in other parts of the world they will start at eight or seven and so there's a lot of talk in those places around that means that kids will have to get up, you know, at very early and get ready for school too early, and they're losing their their dream, their memory sleep. Mm. Um, so that's the thing. Mm. But yeah, maybe you don't need that much sleep, or maybe I'm getting a lot of sleep, but I don't realize it. What do you mean? Well, you're going to bed at nine o'clock. You're probably getting yeah. enough sleep. I mean, sometimes I wake up at one in the morning or two, or yeah. often up at five. Yeah. So, but it is, so who like Roger Federer? T- t- the tennis is about to happen. I think he he's all about sleep now, and he tries to get maximize his sleep. Those articles last week about Jeff Bezos talking up at least eight hours of sleep every night. Mm. So this is sort of optimizing your sleep to make, you know, even if you do, you know, you're giving up some amount of hours of work by going to bed earlier. The work you do and the decisions you make will be much better. Mm. Mm. Let's talk about meditation because you meditate, right? Yeah, on and off, yeah. On and off, okay. 
so probably doesn't sound very committed. I, I, go through, <laughs> I, I go through periods where I do it and then I should keep doing it and I stop, like the gratitude journal, where I get something out of it and then I sort of dump it, which just sounds pretty bad, but I yeah. should keep doing it. You're a human. Um, we all do that. Yeah, I've tried to experiment with um, periods of mind wandering using active mind wandering, like meditation, where I'll just sit in a chair and see no stimulation, no phone, you know, no, and just see where my mind goes and just let it sort of riff here and there and wander. Um, but yeah, sorry, coming back to my I didn't realise that was a thing because I sit in a chair and do the same thing and thinking, what the hell I am know, I doing? I don't know if it's a thing, but I've heard a few people talk about it and I thought it's kind of interesting. I've heard people say they get, after a while you get, you start really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been trying to do that more. I used, yeah. to, I used to get labelled as being lazy when I did that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like automatic writing, isn't it? When you sit down with a blank piece of paper and a pen and you start writing or drawing mm. and just see what comes out. Yeah, I love That's really, it. really cool. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of a form of meditation as well. So that, so that, that, that was a thing and, and that took off what, last year, the year before, 2018. There's a study showing that, you know the colouring in books where there's yeah, these adult yeah. colouring in books where you have these Massively black popular. and white thing and you colour it. And so... There's, there's studies now showing that uh, that is quite calming and quite beneficial for mental mm. health. And it's, a, it's a similar thing to doodling where you, you sort of, you engage um, your motor functions, you engage your visual parts of your brain. And so you can't really go off into these um, spirals of negative thinking or, or stress or anything like that because you're kind of just engaging those parts of the brain enough. Do you think it's kind of like that colouring in? That's funny because a, a publisher, Lawrence King in London, made an absolute fortune on colouring in books. He, he saw that coming. He saw it, yeah. He got and it's like him. the most simplest books he's ever published, but there are just <laughs> millions of them sold. But do you think it's going back to basics? Like doing something like that is going back. It's, nothing, it's not reading. It's nothing complicated. It's a simple yeah, task. I do, yeah. Yeah. I mean, sitting on my chair, my green chair, looking out at greenery, it just, there's something about it. No one said, I mean, people are saying, yes, looking at green, Looking at nature, being amongst yeah. it is, is a positive thing. Like D, vitamin D, yeah. the sun is What's a positive the, thing. A also a scary word, thing. Because it translates to forest bathing. I can't remember the, I can't remember the word. They're just, just walking, just being amongst trees and nature mm. is therapeutic. Mm. And there is good evidence now from the, the smells and the bacteria in that environment that physiologically, biologically, it is in addition to the psychology of doing that. Um, mm. There's been a lot of focus on... FOMO, you know, fear of missing yeah. out, not just with technology, but just in general, in life, right? Yeah. And um, there's a real big focus now on camping, being amongst nature, hiking, doing those things which actually are kind of in a way recentering yourself as a human being, as an animal in, in, in amongst nature, which is yeah. closer to where you, know, you feel, some people are fearful of nature because we're all living in a a much more kind of, I guess, um, urbanized environment, uh, cities, etc. Fast pace, mm. uh, a lot of stimulus, and that stimulus is addiction in itself as well, right? Like this constant stimulus yeah. of things in front of us, the instant gratification as well. Yeah, we're I kind of like doing a, a full circle, <laughs> aren't we? Back to we dump our technology. Yeah, but I think it is therapeutic. You, you, you're in these quiet, simple environments where it comes back to the physical, the fire, the food, the sleep. You're going to go to bed earlier when the sun goes down. You're not going to have artificial light as much. And there's going to be less stimulation, yeah. So, so it makes sense that it's going to 
good for you. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so I know you asked about meditation, and it's one of those things that, you know, in the last, let's say, 15 years, I don't know, it's kind of gone from something that's sort of a spiritual thing to really mainstream business, yeah. you know. A lot of these things, I mean, well-being was kind of a hokey, yeah. It seemed to be in the past where intuition, all these things we're talking about today, were seen as being kind of uh, hokey and alternative. And now it's become mainstream. Yeah. And, and there's good data behind med- a meditation lowers blood pressure. It improves your biological biomarkers of multiple things, not to mention the mental health. Like, it, like it, it, there's great data that, that it is really good for you. Is there any data around people who, are, who have got it sussed, who are doing this on a daily basis well? Like, do you know many people who are going, oh my God, that person's just, you know, <laughs> strapped them up to the kind of the, the computers and it just proves that this person has actually got everything worked out, the diet, sleep, exercise, thinking. I don't know, yeah, that's, that's the, if you jump into the biohacking world, then, then you hear about people, well, you hear about it from them. I don't know whether they really are doing those things, but that's the way they, they say <laughs> they are, right? They, they do, they're doing all the right things mm. and they're keeping it up. Um, and when I've ventured into that world, I, I mean, the, the double-edged sword there is that you get, addic- you get obsessed with it and you want more and you kind of, like, you start freaking out if I haven't, you know, I haven't been to the sauna or I haven't done this, I haven't taken my pills, oh, my God, I'm, like, I can't function. And you get very obsessed with that world of self-improvement and then that creates its own stress and anxiety. Mm. Um, and that's the, yeah, the trap that I've fallen into and I've gone down that. So I would do everything except unplug and, and slow down because I'd be like more, more, more um, in the biohacking world. So exercise, what you eat, what, what you, you drink, eat, yeah. water. What you drink, yeah. Take it easy with the, the fresh stimulants, air. The, the caffeine, um, fresh air. The environment that you're sleep. in. Um, the lights. So the lighting is another thing for sleep we didn't mention, but we now know that blue light... Um, will stop your melatonin coming and, and fire up um, cortisol as well. So that's why you see all the, these functions in phones where the screen goes red. And you can hack the phone and have like, I have a thing on my phone where I can triple click the button on the side and it goes very red. So I do that once the sun's set. Mm. Um, we turn down all the lights in our house and just have a couple of lamps on in the evening. Um, you can even get the blue blocking glasses, right? So I have a couple of pairs of those red lens glasses that I wear if I'm going to be working in the evening. You wear two pairs? No, just, what do you mean? Oh, right. Just red lens glasses, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, just to stop, when I'm looking at my laptop or whatever it is, I need to work to stop that blue light, blue and green light getting in. Mm. So that's a thing. Um, and, the, and then what's just as important is in the morning, you want blue light. So you get out as early as possible, sun, a bit of blue light. In the morning will actually help you sleep that night. So mm. it's setting your body, it's anchoring your, these rhythms to the... the, the Red and then the blue and green in the morning, mm-hmm. um, which will help you sleep. Mm. I guess also what's important with, it, with well-being is, I mean, thinking about all the kind of the the, the, the people that are around you, the environment that you're in, uh, the job that you're doing, etc. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, is it possible that you could be doing all the right things, but you could be in a career that's just not right for you, and it kind of still saps all your energy? Definitely. Oh, I think, yeah, definitely. And that's, I guess, where you listen to your intuition and move on or do some kind of life plan. Yeah, and, and it may take, you know, 
rock bo- hitting rock bottom for someone to realize that or make that life choice or maybe someone else will point it out or there's all different ways of getting there mm. um, but yeah either doing something you really don't enjoy or doing something that is too demanding or in a toxic environment with people with boss and colleagues that, that are not good for you mm. um, so you can be doing all the right biohacking intermittent fasting eating the right amount of healthy fats uh, low in sugar and carbs all your micronutrients taken care of, uh, you know, you can be doing the ice baths, the sauna, the perfect sleep, and all, all those things, meditating. Um, mm. But if you're in a toxic workplace or a toxic house, home, that's another, another place, right? And you talk about kind of, you've got two kids, three and just born, or mm-hmm. no, six months old, eight uh, months uh, old? Eight months, nine months old, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, 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 t- it's tough at that time, isn't it? I know with my kids early on, starting a business, having kids, you know, just trying to make it all work is pretty, yes, uh, yeah. is pretty hard. I mean, it, there's a lot of pleasure associated, we have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, there is pleasure. There's moments of pleasure, but often it's just incredibly tough. Um, and I think, you know, some people find it tougher than others. And it affects all those things. Time to exercise, time oh, to, time to um, sleep properly, those, yeah, me time. Without, I, I function really badly with that. Those first few months after you've had a baby, you know, it's, it's sleep is so broken and it's like being constantly jet lagged. You don't know if it's 3 a.m., 3, yeah. 3 p.m., what difference does it make? It all is just, just a blur. And you're longing for them to be 18. <laughs> They've just been born. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, there's a, there's a, that reminds me, there's a, amazing data on that. I don't like talking about it because it's, it's kind of, it's one of these things where, so you can do, they do these studies, right, where, they ask people multiple times a day how happy, how fulfilled, like ask them these kind of questions when they just had kids, right? And when you ask people every day at different times, random times of the day, and you look at that over, over a year, say, and you compare that to people without kids or the year before, it's noticeably they're less happy with kids, right? But then what happens if you don't show them that and you ask how happy do you feel, they go, oh, they have these sort of emotional moments where their kid does something and you know they, they start talking or they walk or crawl and their heart melts right and our memory works in a really strange way in that that one moment will melt out the last three mm. weeks yeah. of whatever it is pain and agony and not sleeping and, frustrated yeah, yeah. and cleaning the floor or whatever it is um, and so you, our memories are not like a digital recorder right they, they're all malleable and so, memories are soft and so when you look back, you, you, you have all these emotional highlights and you say, yeah, being a parent is amazing. I love it. It's a beautiful experience. And then you look at this real-time data and it says something different. So yeah. our memories play tricks on us, especially when it comes to kids. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I think they're designed to be cute, right? From, yeah. Because yeah. you go, oh, my God. You're just besotted by them. It's like a puppy. Yeah. Um, they're designed to be cute. So you go, you feel something, you feel a connection despite what a pain in the ass the whole thing is. <laughs> yeah. And you feel guilty. I feel guilty if I say that, right? Oh, I do, but... I said the other day to someone, they look horrified. Like, people, yeah. going, how dare you say that about your kids? I think parents around the world, of this, this, this sort of overnight working at home, and it's, you know, if you have already had a home office which was soundproofed or far away from the rest of the house, it's fantastic, but for most people... Space station, maybe. Yeah, space station. <laughs> most people don't have that, right? So the, the, the working at home sounds great, but when you can't get away or you can't get silence there's only so much you can do with you know noise cancelling headphones mm. um, so that's been a big challenge for you know millions of people around the world this last year mm. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Let's just talk about happiness because happiness is obviously, mm. is that the holy grail? I mean, is that something we're all aiming for? And, and I mean, I mean, I think that some people are happier than others. Yeah, and and we end up, I think we end up aiming for that without really thinking it through because mm. it's not something, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a mood or it's a fleeting thing. Mm. So you can't, by definition of your physiology, you can't be happy all day, every day of your life. It just doesn't work that way. You'll burn out your you know, neurotransmitters or something. You'll be too happy. It's You'll not be, good it's, for it's, you. It's, yeah. But, and then we're, there's this fantastic book by a psychologist called um, Daniel Gilbert at Harvard, and it's called Stumbling on Happiness. And it's, it's a, he's an amazing, one of the best writers in academia, I think. It's worth mm. reading. Um, it's full of jokes and funny things. So, but we're notoriously bad at figuring out what makes us happy. Yeah. Right. So the example I just gave of, the, of, the, of, of kids, right? So we remember the kids and we think, oh, all I remember is these beautiful moving moments. I'll have another kid, right? So our memory is not accurate about that. And it works that way in lots of different other areas where mm. we mispredict what's going to make us happy. Or the way people talk about it is that our, fut- our future self and our now are very different. And we fail at that, knowing what the future person, the future Joel is going to like and not like. So we're not very good at making those predictions. Do you think people are born to be in relationships for their whole lifetime? Because obviously 50% Ooh, on a, average, a, 50% of, yeah. of, of marriages end up in divorce, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not... I think it's, again, it's like all the things around your senses, your intuition, your happiness, etc., is all linked. Yeah. In, in a relationship, there's a, there's a, there's a high... I mean, how do you find that one person that's going to, I mean, that's going to run the test of time, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's too unfair to ask you that question. No, it's a political question. So there's, there's all kinds of movements and all kinds of, you know, in California and the people, you know, polygamy, like, like in groups, all, there's, all, there's all kinds of models that people are playing around with, I think more now than ever, because society is becoming more accepting of all kinds of things. Um, you know, there's the evolutionary biological argument based, you know, that we're animals and that there is a biological urge to have as many offspring as possible to maximise the spread of our DNA and there's that argument which works against having a lifelong uh, partner. Mm. Um, But then things are changing, right? Once you understand evolution, you can witness it, you can play with it and so evolution doesn't function the same way it does when you're not aware of it. Mm. And so... What's happening now and the future is, is, is also very different. Mm. Um, we're definitely social beings and we work best, for the majority of us, for most of the time, work best around other people. Mm-hmm. But I can't say what's best for most people, whether they should be in you know, little dyads of two people, couples, mm. or not. Um, yeah, I don't mm. think we know the answer to that based on science. Mm. I think there's also that around where you can... Um rely on the other person to, to, for your happiness or your guidance or follow their intuition yeah. versus your own. It's interesting we were talking earlier about uh, how the COVID effect and how it has had on our daily lives, you know, where we're working. We're working from, a lot of people are working from home still, yeah. and that's changed our social interaction um, and obviously has affected our well-being because we have a lot of time now either by ourselves or away from the, n- the usual working environment. I mean, what do, where do you see that going in terms of the future of, of kind of the, that kind of situation? Yeah, it's interesting. Mr. Fortune Teller. Mr. Fortune Teller, yeah. <laughs> what, what we saw even before COVID was a bunch of companies 
experimenting with three or four day work weeks mm. and finding really interesting results that they, their productivity would be the same or actually most went up. Having so giving people a longer weekend, people were more productive, more stuff was done, which is surprising. Mm. So we see this traditional idea of you know nine to five, five days a week um, for X number of years and then retirement. I think all that is being rejigged was already being rejigged and played with. And I yeah. think COVID is just going to accelerate that. So if people have heard this before, but the way I tend to think of COVID is an accelerant to most of these changes, which are already starting to happen, mm. right? Um, so yeah, now we're going to be either working one day a week in the office or two or three days and working at home. Um, and so the lifestyle design there becomes way more important because you have a whole set of different challenges and you need to find ways of either integrating or separating life and work in ways that you didn't have to before. Mm. Like I know people who will get up and shower and get dressed and get ready to, as if they're going to get in the car and go out, but they're not. They're just going to go back to the other room and sit down with their computer. Mm. But they need a ritual and routine to signify that this is the work day. Mm. Other people will you know, do half an hour, then go and do something else around the house and come back and do a half an hour and then go and do the washing and then integrate that little micro bits all throughout the day. So they're mm. integrating their life and their work um, and don't seem to have a problem with switching that off, mm. whereas other people then can't switch off the work. So I think it's early days in terms of you know this, this like this massive large-scale working from home experiment that the world is doing at, at the moment and has yeah. been doing, and, and I'm sure there are so many hundreds or thousands of um, organizational psych experiments that will start coming out in the next year about what works, what doesn't work. We've you know, we only, open plan offices were like this big revolution, right? It was all going to be fantastic. Like to get rid of all the walls, have all these open plan desks. Everyone started doing it. And then the studies started coming out saying, well, actually productivity goes down. Um, people put on headphones, people, use of social media goes up in these open plan environments. And it turns out that you kind of want a bit of both. You want a bit of open plan. And so it's taken a long time for that. Those sort of seem like quite simple conclusions from a workplace. And for that for us to start understanding the similar things at home, it's going to take a while, I think. Mm. Um, and different people are going to struggle with different things. But yes, yeah, separating out, and people use the work-life balance versus work-life integration. Um, I think we need to do our little micro-experiments. I'll keep saying this. Experiment safely and try different things. Try what works for you. If you do have the space for a separate office, you know, out the back or in a separate soundproof part of your house, then go, then use that's fantastic. And then what do you do at lunch? What do you do? Do you have coffee breaks? And like, how do you structure your day in a way? How can you make it more social? Have other cultures got this better than, than us? I mean, is it, uh, mm. I know the Europeans have a siesta in the afternoon. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe their diet is more better too. I mean, Japanese, incredible diet. Yeah, um, that's real, an interesting point, actually. Yeah, you know, I mean, do we do we look at other other cultures and kind of follow their um, expertise and guidance or their culture in that way? I mean, no, I know I've been having a lot of uh, nanny naps uh, <laughs> <laughs> lately. Uh, about three o'clock, I just have a lie down for about what seems about five seconds, yeah. um, and it's just kind of it's really cool. You actually probably my best sleep ever. And literally, it's probably 10 minutes. Yeah, you need... So yeah, I, I mean, that's obviously on the summer holidays. But. Yeah, but, and the key to that is... No, but that's... Because we saw these sleeping pods start taking off in the mm, workplace. It's yeah. a thing, right? We'd seal off. And, and the key was not to go into 
to keep it like 20 minutes or whatever the magic number is. Or keep it at yeah, a, don't sleep for the whole if day. You, if you go, but if you go <laughs> past, if you start to go into a deep sleep thing, then you, you'll, you'll wake up and you'll be like, where am I? What am I doing? And you're yeah. going to be like rubbish for another hour or two afterwards. So you don't, you kind of got to keep it there. Another thing that I've heard people use and I started using was binaural beats. So this is these sort of soundtracks. There are apps you can get, but, but music platforms have them on there as well, where you have slightly out of sync beats, if you like, in going into each ear. Mm. And so that will, so, so you have a, a rhythm, one rhythm in one ear and a slightly different rhythm in the other ear. And then when you combine those, you get what's called a beat, which is at a different frequency. And that frequency can drive certain brain activity. And the idea is you can sort of drive brain activity in a much more powerful way than just hearing a rhythm. Mm. Uh, and this, we're starting to see some science coming out now showing that you can use that for, to boost focus or to boost relaxation. And that's an interesting thing. So it's binaural beats. So I'll, I'll often, if I'm, I don't want to go to sleep, I'll just put one, a relaxing binaural beat on and lie down for 10 or 15 minutes. Where do you get these from on uh, um, there's a particular Spotify? Or Spotify has some. I tend to subscribe to an app called Brain FM. Is it irritating at first? No. No, you sort of have headphones on. It's, there's, all different, there's ones that's, you know, that are just like a beat or with rain or with wind or over the top of, but it's just like a, just think of it, you hear this like a slightly out of sync beat. But no, they tend to work. So lifestyle design working at home, I think one of the structural changes yet from COVID is that home real estate has changed both in terms of financial value but also the way we think about it, right? So it's kind of somewhat become part of the workplace now at home. Mm. And so how we deal with that, what we do, how we structure, are we going to start designing our houses differently? Yeah. All, all these kind of questions, you know, are design questions, yeah. work questions, there's some psychology questions. Um, I think that's an exciting new field where, you, you know, you and your team can work and hopefully psychologists can work. Um, there's huge amount of growth and learning we can do there. Mm. We've, we've for, for years now, probably like 15 years, we've been working with, a lot of organizations, big corporate uh, entities on their headquarters. Uh, some of them have 6,000, 10,000 people in them, um, but they only have enough desks for, I think, like 30% less than that. Mm. And so they kind of as activity-based working where people don't actually have a desk, own a desk. So they actually come in and they're meant to, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit like uh, musical chairs probably. Yeah. Um, but they were, they were, they've been doing that for quite a while, that kind of... Uh, rotating people um, so someone's at a meeting they don't need their desk you know someone's externally at a meeting they don't need a physical desk in the building so we've seen that it's actually kind of in a way that was ahead of its time because actually that's what we're doing here at Frost we're actually rotating people one team comes in every day and people are working from home probably three days a week yeah. initially people were really uncomfortable with that and uncomfortable with working 100% at home because that's when COVID first hit us uh, everybody, we sent everybody home kind of prior to it being mandated. And even though people who were, I remember only a few months before when we had the big fires, um, yeah. part of one of the team's suggestion of us helping to alleviate the pressure on the environment was to work from home one day a week. And I remember at the time going, there's no way in hell I'm doing that. You know, <laughs> there's no way in hell you guys are going to get to that. I know what you'd be up to. Um, and uh, within weeks or a few months um the whole team was working from home every single day which is ironic yeah um people were kind of got what they wanted some of them were like even the ones that suggested it were like i want to get back to the studio 
Yeah. Uh, others were like, wow, this is really great. Others were like, this is hell. Um, but over a period of, what is it now, 10 months now probably, uh, people are becoming used to the situation and they're finding, I guess, the rhythm in the, there's a certain amount of uncertainty, but still, but there's still, there's a rhythm in us rotating and, and you know, uh, working in the studio, working from home. People have kind of, I guess, redesigned their lives around that. Others have found that really hard and they want to be here every day. Others have just like, don't want to be here at all. But the productivity is, is even though they're probably doing their washing and all the things during the day, <laughs> surfing and things like that, the productivity has actually uh, been maintained, which, yeah. is, which is really reassuring. That's the thing I was concerned about. The thing culturally, we still stick together through um, physical interactions here, but also you know, Zoom calls and things like that, teams and things like that, where we still, the, the leadership team is still keeping everybody connected. And yeah. I think that's been really, really good. I think if you didn't have that, you would feel incredibly isolated. Or if you're starting an organization, joining an organization uh, virtually yeah, versus physically. Because yeah. all our guys, we've, we've kept the same team. Yeah. We haven't lost anybody through the whole thing. Um, and uh, that continuity of people knowing what it was like together before was um, is an important part of our continuity yeah and, and what about when you have a new project starting where you how do you do, handle that that sort of brainstorming ideation playful yeah. first bit yeah we either do it physically in in the studio um whether we do there's new kind of programs that we do online brainstorming ideation workshops with the clients i mean it's, i think i think i think initially people were kind of hoping it would all go away and yeah. we get back to normal what was normal or what we're used to, but this is actually, because it's been such a long period of time now, people have begun to adapt to this new normal mm. and stopping resisting it, stopping resisting it, trying to, not trying to get back to what it was. I don't think there's any, I don't think that the, the, those workshops are any less successful. I think, in fact, I think they're more focused than they were, they were before. Mm. I think people are there, they're visible, they need to connect, they need to be, um, focused. Mm. Um, I mean, you've already been in many meetings where you just kind of zone out. You know, you kind of can't really zone out when, well, you probably can. <laughs> but people were felt kind of very, like, present, uh, more so than before. And I think that kind of the fact people talk about back-to-back -back calls, back-to-back -back Zoom meetings or whatever, um, what, it, what it's also done is taken away the travel in between time yeah. To kind of the travel time. Which is which good is, and bad, right? Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. My, well, yeah, good and bad. Yeah. It keeps, us, it keeps us focused, but it also stops us from, I guess, replenishing. Yeah, you need uh, that little five minutes of, even just walking down the hall or whatever. Yeah. Bouncing to yeah. someone, have a chat, grab yeah. something to eat, you know. Well-being is vital for all of us. There's no button on us that says goes green maybe your aura ring does that <laughs> goes green when we got it right i mean it'd be nice if there was something like that like yeah. oh hang on today you got all the right nutrients right sleep right exercise or you're down on it gives me a score no, it gives me a score does? based on the exercise of the day before and my sleep so if i did a lot of exercise and i didn't sleep at all much i get a really low score and so it would say tell me take it easy rest up mm. you can't push it today so but yeah it doesn't know what i'm eating or doing but yeah, the well-being thing. And so another word which we haven't 
use much here that maps onto this is longevity. Mm-hmm. And this is this longevity as this feel which has exploded last, let's say, two years, 2019. Mm-hmm. This idea that, that our lifespan and health span are both going to start pushing as new breakthroughs now, which is going to push our life and health span into you know, 120, 130 plus years. And that, I think, is a fascinating area and how that overlaps, because it doesn't overlap perfectly with performance. So high-performance athletics or, or even cognition doesn't necessarily overlap with what science says is best for longevity. So I find that really interesting. So if you had a Venn diagram, there's a bit in the middle there, which I find interesting, that there's certain things that you want to do to have a longer life, but they won't actually benefit your performance or well-being in the moment. Oh, that's interesting. And so that's, that's just really interesting like emerging what? space. Like something that's counter to what you think. Yeah, but so in terms of performance particularly, like so long-term fasting, you're, you're going to take a hit in terms of, if you're an athlete, you don't want to be doing long-term fasting, right? But it's going to extend your life, but uh, it will not make you more likely to win the Australian Open next week or something because you're going to, if you're fasting. So there's things like that where certain foods and supplements and activities... Um, switching on, you know, muscle growth, things that you, you know, the, the, at the mTOR path, we're eating a lot of protein, switching that on to build, to, so your, your body's like buzzing and ready to rebuild itself. You actually don't want to be like that long term because that's how cancer kind of happens. So there's this mm-hmm. thing, interesting spaces there where, there's, where I, th- I see these high performance and longevity diver- Diverging a little bit, even wow. though there's a certain amount of things to overlap, and that's an interesting field. Yeah, that well-being fits in the middle there somewhere. So someone told me the other day that they said diabetes could be cured. Apparently, if you starve yourself, your body restarts. Well, not not to the point of killing yourself, yeah. but the point of like it, it, it re it re kind of kicks starts your 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 I guess your whole system. Yeah. So that's, yeah, so the type two diabetes. Yeah, yeah. So there's that's bizarre. There's a whole lot of supplements that can help do that. But basically, yeah, doing extended fast, twenty four hours or more, even just intermittent fasting is going to have a radical effect on diabetes and your blood mm. sugar management. So it teaches your body to be flexible, mm. right? So, so it's like you know ketosis, being ketosis. You've heard of the you know, mm. high fat diet. All this. There's a whole range of ketosis supplements which are about to hit the market. So you don't have to go into what you do nutritional ketosis as a course of eating zero carbs and mm. almost zero carbs and high mm. fat so you better take take a supplement to get into bouncing up your ketones and we know that helps diabetes as well so yeah, all these things that can radically change your your lifespan health span and and cure diseases and there are a lot of yeah things that are on the horizon um and i think medicine's about to go through a big structural shift um, even though COVID and, and what we're in at the moment is really about sort of like whack-a-mole and response, where medicine has to move to is prevention, right? So there are these big com- these companies in the US where you can you, you do your full genome sequencing, your microbiome, and a full high-resolution MRI of your, your, your body, right? Mm. And then a machine learning algorithm runs through all that data and looks for abnormalities and mm. highlights them. And that's the idea that you do that once a year or something. Yeah. And it's expensive at the moment, but the idea that we all, all should be doing something like that every year. Mm. And so we can spot a cancer years before there's any symptoms. At the yeah. moment, we have to wait till the symptoms and you're sick, and then we go, oh, shit, how do we deal with it? Yeah, it could be too late. And that's, that's going to... And that will change well-being, and that will sort of have an influence. Are you going to do the COVID vaccination? Yeah, I think so, yeah. 
surprised. I thought you were going to be controversial and say no. No, there's no, I mean... You're not worried there's not enough testing done? There's lots of testing now. I mean, by the time it'll get to me, I don't know what... I'm not in any of the early rounds, so and there's already a lot of testing happening in America and the UK, so... You yeah, mean, I mean, to the I gen mean, general public? Yes. <laughs> Is that I a mean, form of testing? It's, it's, it's less urgent here. If I, was in if I lived in America or the UK, then I'd be hurrying to get it because mm. they're in a state of emergency kind of thing. Whereas here, we're not, we have the luxury, you know, and yeah. the luck of, all not, you know, of various reasons that we're not in that situation. So we do have more time up our sleeve. So you could wait more in Australia than you would wait in the country, yeah. Mm. Well, I think, I, I think really just in terms of general well-being, um, there's so many different things you can do, which we kind of touched on a, a few things, which I think obviously would be of benefit to people listening in. Um, don't stop trialing things. I think it's important what you said earlier on around yeah. like do, do some tests on yourself in terms of, you know, just see what works well for you. Yep. Uh, don't try to change the world. Just trying to do um, incremental change would be good. Um, but, but knowing that um, you can improve things definitely through diet, through exercise, through sleep, through a number of things that actually are, uh, make a big difference to your general yep. happiness and well-being. And you may not be able to predict how much that thing can change your how good you feel. Mm. So you, you don't try and don't assume that it, it won't have an effect because it might have a huge effect. Mm. Give it time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, stay well, everyone. Thank you. Take care. Chatting to Joel today about well-being was a big motivator for me and my goal of being fittish. Big takeaways today in the chat for me was understanding what stress is and what it's not. The power of sleep and why it's so important not to underestimate why healthy eating habits play such a key role in our mental health. Tune in next week as we chat about creativity and how you can actually harness it to work for you. Thank you all for listening. If you want to find out more about Designing Your Life, head over to our website at designyourlife.com.au or on our social media at Frost Collective. If you enjoyed this episode and found it inspiring, please don't forget to review or subscribe.